This is a USD Media extended raw cut version. Every day we have to decide who am I going to invest in today? Whose life am I going to impact today? Who am I going to build up today? You know, who's going to be different today because I was around them? My name is Aaron Chedester, and I'm the executive director of Unite for Life. We are a, a teen suicide prevention program. Uh, my background is in youth ministry. I actually, uh, uh, first off, I was a hurting student. You know, I was one of these young people that I now work with, which is why I'm so passionate about helping them. Is um, you know, is that there were so few resources available when I was a young man who was depressed, who was stuck in drug addiction, who was making bad choices and, 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 and derailing my life. And so that's why I'm so passionate now about helping young people. Since I turned my life around, um, I went to a, through ministry training programs and actually spent seven years as a full-time youth pastor um, working with kids in different communities uh, through the church. And then we started Unite for Life as a side project. We were youth pastoring in Livermore, California and experienced a, a string of suicides in that area and started Unite for Life. And so I really, at, from, for the last four years, have been learning on the fly um, using certification programs with the, uh, the ASSIST training through the Suicide Prevention Resource Center, through the um, you know, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, just really learning and educating myself through all of these different certification programs. I mean, to help kids is so rewarding, but yet it's so difficult to see all the pain that young people are going through. I mean, I sat down with a young lady last week. She's just finishing up her sophomore year of high school, and she's just telling me one story after another of in eighth grade just enduring relentless bullying. In ninth grade, actually had to have a restraining order taken out on a, on a fellow classmate who was threatening her and, and bullying her so badly. And now here during her sophomore year, um, has faced the death of, of seven people that were close to her, from, from two really close friends dying by suicide to uh, her soccer coach dying by suicide. I mean, just so one situation like that where you would just experience the pain of one young lady who has walked through so much in the last three years that it's hard, but yet when it's a calling, when you know it's what you want to do is to help kids, it's so worth it, and, and it's so worth the investment. No kid should go through that much hurt in their young life. They shouldn't have to. I mean, that's not what being a kid is supposed to be about. Um, I don't even buy into, you know, the generally accepted belief that bullying is a rite of passage that every kid should have to go through. And I don't believe that. You know, kids shouldn't have to hurt that bad and feel that intimidated to to grow up. You know, kids shouldn't have to face death this much to, to have to go so deep in depression. It's just not, it's not what being a young person, not what being an adolescent was supposed to be about. And, and yet so much of this generation, that's right where they are. Do you think that exposure, I mean, everything is digital. And so you yeah. get it right here and now. With that much at our fingertips, do you feel like that is contributing to the choices that our teens are making? Yeah, I believe so, especially in terms of suicide. I mean, you can find a website about any topic. Um, from the positive websites that are promoting suicide prevention, 
all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you can find websites that tell you how to do it. Uh, there was a 91-year-old lady down in San Diego, California, who was selling suicide kits online um, and, and shipping them around the country and making a profit off of people wanting to kill themselves. So that's, that's the worst of what the Internet has to offer. What we see nowadays, which is totally different than when we were teenagers, is the access to the real-time information. You know, when we were teenagers, if someone died by suicide, nobody heard about it, other than maybe their closest friends. Um, you know, nobody knew about it. Today, when a teenager dies by suicide, everybody finds out instantly. One of the suicides that happened here in Vancouver, uh, the young lady stayed home from school and died by suicide that morning um, when all of her classmates were at school. Before school was even out, you know, her body had been discovered and word was spreading throughout all of the students at the school through Facebook and texting and Twitter. So quickly the information spread that that night they had a, a candlelight vigil for her and, and over 500 people showed up. So the information just spread like wildfire. Now there's actually a drawback to that because research has shown that exposure to to specific details about individual students um, actually creates a contagion. It actually creates an atmosphere where more kids are likely to try it. It's almost like I got a great deal at the bargain center and I want to tell you about it. It's becoming faddish. Yeah, exactly. To where if a young person is hurting, their life is miserable, they're going through all kinds of issues, and somebody else dies by suicide and everybody is honoring them and saying nice things about them, why would that young person not want to do the same thing and, and, and choose the same route? And so we tell people, especially in communities that are responding to suicide, we tell people the two worst things you can do with a suicide, number one is ignore it, and number two is to glorify it. And by glorifying it, what I mean is any sort of public recognition or public honoring of someone who's died by suicide is glorifying it. You know, a memorial site, you know, almost like a shrine on campus would be glorifying it. Wearing t-shirts to, to remember the person who died would be glorifying it. You know, doing a, um, you know, a large memorial assembly or something like that would be, you know, those types of things create a contagion. Same thing with Facebook. You know, every time someone dies by suicide, a rest in peace page is put up for them and thousands of teenagers get onto this rest in peace page. All of these things are actually contributing to this contagion, this fad like you called it, that uh, young people are choosing to do it because it's so out there and everybody is so much talking about it and, and glorifying it. Their concept is, here's a reality I could experience, but they're not taking that second thought process of, I won't be here to experience it. Exactly, yeah, I won't be here to hear all the nice things that they say about me, I won't be here to see the the tree they plant for me, or the, the balloons that they put up for me, you know, I, but yet it's still, that's the thought process, is I want that. It sounds like, in honor of the deceased, maybe our school-aged children should be turning to their neighbor, who is with them, mourning, and saying, while you're here on this earth, we're going to honor you in memory of the deceased because nobody should go through this. Exactly. And that's I mean that's our motivation. I have I have a couple pictures up in my office of teenagers who died by suicide. 
And I don't glorify those teenagers, but their memory motivates me to help the ones that are alive. You know, all the nice things that are said about that young person at their funeral, all the well wishes that are posted on their Facebook memorial page, you know, I think about that and I wish we should have said more of that to them when they were still alive, rather than wait until after they were gone to say so many nice things about them. And so, yeah, you're right, that motivation, let's love the people that are alive, let's create a healthier atmosphere for hurting teenagers now, rather than um, reminiscing on the past or, you know, on somebody who we can't help anymore. Simply saying the words, you matter. Yes, you have value, you have purpose, you have potential. Because that's what people lose sight of. When they're depressed, everything tunnel visions in on the depression. Everything is tunnel visioned on what hurts and what's wrong in life and what's empty in life. And we lose sight of the fact that we have destiny, that we have great value, that there's amazing things set before us that we're going to accomplish. And we lose sight of all of that. But if we were surrounded by friends and family and people in the community who we, we bound together to remind each other of that and to constantly build each other up, that alone would change the atmosphere of this community in, in unbelievable ways. If we were intentional yes. about being audible to those next to us, intentional means with forethought. Yes. Every day we have to decide, who am I going to invest in today? Whose life am I going to impact today? Who am I going to build up today? You know, who's going to be different today because I was around them? And, and I like that idea of doing that intentionally. I wonder, there's got to be something that we as adults in our community can do to counteract what seems to be the culture out there. It's just simply to get involved because I think we're in a place right now with, a, with this generation of teenagers where as adults they're looked at and we think, well, they have their own culture. There is this quote-unquote youth culture, and adults aren't allowed there. You know, adults aren't allowed to, to be in that space, when in reality, it's adults that are creating that culture. You know, it's adults that are the producers of Viacom and MTV and record labels and, and, and movie producers in Hollywood that are creating the culture, but yet we as average adults in the community feel like, well, we can't be in there. And so just to engage that culture and then just to be present in the lives of young people. Because the other thing that I've seen happen with this generation is we have abdicated this generation over to technology. We've given them over to their social networks and their smartphones and, and, and their, their internet connections and uh, their, their MP3 players and their music. And we've given them over to that and taken a step back and let that be their guide as opposed to adults actively being guides in their life. And so just simply engaging and being present in a young person's life, that a young person that is so desperate for direction, so desperate for companionship, so desperate to feel loved, they're hurting and confused and don't know where to go. And if there were some adults in their life who were just there, engaged, who could give them clear direction, who could give them a consistent answer about, um, understanding depression and understanding the choices that they're thinking about making, what an unbelievable difference that that would be. And that's not just parents, not just moms and dads, even though that's important, it's every adult in the community choosing to engage 
um, as mentors, getting into the schools, getting into the churches as volunteers, understand what they're thinking about, understanding the pressures they're under every day, understanding the, the messages that they're receiving from culture every day, and they're trying to decide if they should believe those messages, if they should follow those messages, and, and you know, just understanding where they're at in, in that, that sense. You know, we've, we've given up sometimes on like, well, I just don't understand teenagers. I just don't, well, we haven't tried. They're just people. They're just going through their own set of pressures and circumstances that, that we can understand if we would just take the time. Teenagers are so impulsive that you know, there's no way to, to map out a perfect model of, of how depression spirals down. But yeah, a suicide attempt, or, or especially a death by suicide, is the end result of a long season of depression. Throughout their depression, however, there's so many behaviors that can manifest themselves because a young person is depressed. You know, the cutting and the drug addiction are just two of the big ones, but it could be, um, you know, their grades plummeting in school. It could be that, you know, they start bullying other kids. Um, it could be that, it could be high-risk sexual behavior. You know, it could be rebellious behavior. It could be expressing it in anger and having anger issues. I mean, there's so many behaviors, there's no way to create a, a chronological spectrum, but just understanding that all of those behaviors are indicators of depression, and where depression is there, there's always a risk for suicide that we have to be aware of. There are some kids that experiment with drugs simply because they're curious, or they got around the wrong crowd, and they made the wrong choices. There's other kids that turn to drugs because they're already depressed, and they're looking for a way to cope, to medicate, and they'll turn to, to drugs to do that. Cutting is the same way. There are some kids who will cut just because they're curious. Why are my friends cutting? Why are my friends talking about it? Um, what's the big deal? Um, you know, why are people joking about this? There's other kids that turn to cutting, um, and probably the greater majority that turn to cutting, uh, because they are depressed, and cutting is a, a coping mechanism to depression. Which, from the outside looking in, can almost seem counterintuitive. Well, somebody's hurting, so they're going to hurt themselves more to try to deal with it. But that's not what it seems like to a teenager who's going through it. Um, they may cut. There's, there's several reasons behind it. They may cut because um, they feel so horrible about themselves that they believe they deserve to be punished. And, and, and it's almost a relief to punish themselves. Um, there's other teenagers who will cut because in the midst of their depression, they have become so numb and felt so lifeless, stuck in their depression, they will actually cut themselves just to feel something, just to feel alive, um, they will cut themselves. There's others who cut themselves as an outward expression of the pain they're feeling on the inside. They want to express that pain on the outside. So there's a lot of motivations behind it, but to understand it, we just have to look at it with the understanding that it's a coping mechanism. A young person is trying to cope with an intense amount of pain and cutting is the way that they cope. And it can become just as addictive as a teenager that copes by getting high. And we really need to address it in the same way, by addressing their depression and teaching them new behaviors so they don't have to keep cutting themselves. Depression is kind of this vicious cycle where when you're depressed, you think more negative thoughts. Well, when you think more negative thoughts, your self-esteem gets lower. And when your self-esteem gets lower, you get more depressed. And then the cycle continues over and over again. And so, yeah, when, we are, when we're working with young people specifically, we will, not only will we deal with 
the circumstances that are causing them to be depressed and walk them through these painful situations. But at the same time, we also take them through exercises to help them establish identity so they have a sense of confidence in who they are and, and that they can believe in who they are. Um, we also establish in them a sense of future because the more that a young person has a big dream for the future, the more they will persevere when life is hard today. When a young person has no vision, no goals, no dreams for their future, there's no reason for them to keep fighting today. So yes, self-worth, identity, uh, future thinking, you know, as far as destiny and big dreams, those are integral parts of what we use when we're walking through this with kids. At Unite for Life, we do two things. One is we provide public education about suicide prevention, and the other thing we do is we work one-on-one -on -one with the students and families that are at risk. We can't just stop talking about it and hope it goes away. We've got to address it.